Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Think Humanities podcast from the Kentucky Book Fair, the Kentucky Horse Park, All Tech Arena. And we're doing a series of uh, conversations with uh, authors and special guests who are attending uh, the 36th annual Kentucky Book Fair, the first time that we've been in Lexington in Fayette County after 35 years in Frankfurt at the Convention Center. And one of our special guests and one of our uh, special authors is Jesse Donaldson, who is a uh, native of Kentucky but now lives in Oregon and has a fantastic story to tell us about his uh, latest work uh, uh, entitled On Homesickness and uh, his travels across the state of Kentucky. Jesse, welcome. Hey, thanks, uh, thanks for having me here, Bill. Jesse has uh, just uh, been involved in, well, I'm going to let him tell you about that, um, involved in a promotion, probably one of the best gimmicks that anyone any writer in the United States, uh, or certainly in Kentucky, has ever participated in. So tell us about your, uh, your work on homesickness, why you put this together, and we'll get to the gimmick part in a moment. Yeah, so the, the book itself on homesickness is, um, I had left Kentucky uh, and, and really wanted to leave Kentucky at 18 years old uh, and traveled to New York and Ohio and Costa Rica and Iowa and Texas and found myself all of a sudden living in Portland, Oregon and in my 30s. And I I felt, uh, I kind of woke up one day and felt this really acute and strong desire to return home to Kentucky, which which caught me by surprise, to be quite honest. I, um, uh, my family is still here. And uh, I had written a novel and I didn't know what to write next. And the second novel wasn't going where it wanted. And so I, I just kind of started to sketch out um, these little micro essays that would pick up on bits of Kentucky myth and I'd read a bunch of books and, and I just kind of examined this this state and also this feeling of, of being homesick and, and trying to understand it. Um, yeah. Describe for me, if you will, again, the, the pull that you felt and why at this stage in your life, uh, you're still a very young man, um, you'd left the state. In fact, you just told me that at 18, you couldn't wait to get out. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I think some of it is that I'd, I, I'd kind of done what I thought I wanted to do at 18. I'd gone out, and I'd, I'd gone to a university, and I'd gotten a job, and I'd followed a career, and I'd uh, met my wife, and we were building a life together. And th- those are all the things that I kind of imagined that would be. Um, but I felt kind of, uh, I, in some ways, when you keep following that sort of career path, the world wants to separate us a little bit more they, they they kind of pull families in different parts of the region and what i missed was this sense of um coalescing back into a home and around the people you care about and and, and almost these sort of I, I thought that my own life was valuing the go out explore um, achieve success in a career over the what's that really going to provide me at the end of the day if i'm not around the people that i love and my, my now my daughter who, who was born during the curse of writing this book isn't around her cousins and and, and so it was a way of trying to figure out whether or not I was valuing the wrong things in my own life to a, to a certain degree. Did you reach uh, a conclusion? 
I, you're still working through that. I think I think it's I think I think it's going to be a lifelong um, sort of. I think in, in a weird way, my relationship with Kentucky will be lifelong struggle. Uh, my wife has a career in Portland, Oregon, that likely will um, keep us uh, in Portland, Oregon, um, at least in the short term. And so, until we can find the right career path that carries us back here, it's it's going to be uh, difficult. I, I, I did still. I brought my daughter out for the first week of this tour that I've been on, and when I see her hanging out with her cousins, um, kind of on this farm that my sister lives next to my, my parents, it kind of warms my heart and it makes me want to bring bring her back and, and kind of do build this build a, build a little house where my parents live and 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 uh, build that life. But you mentioned the tour. That's what I just said. The gimmick, and and I, I say that in a very respectful way. I think a lot of writers these days uh, might not uh, have thought of something as creative as this. Um, and, and so you uh, can describe for us what the tour is and um, how it's helped you put your book into the hands of many Kentuckians. Yeah, the, uh, the book is organized around the 120 counties. That's the structure of Kentucky from the first Jefferson to the last McCreary. And so when I went to do a tour, I think you could call it a stunt, but what it really was was I'd used the counties as material. And so I thought it in a weird, in a strange way, it was important for me to go to each county and read that section in that county. So, so the tour idea was to go to every county in Kentucky. I had about a month that I could manage to get away from my life to do it um, and to read in that county. Uh, and to kind of pay homage, homage to it. And so in some cases I'd be at bookstores or libraries, the places where writers usually are. Uh, and then in some places I'd be in cemeteries or overlooks or um, on the steps of historical societies or, or next to you know historical markers on the side of highways with cars buzzing by, by at like 75 miles an hour. Um, and uh, and so, uh, so yeah, I just put 5,300 miles on a car in 28 days and just finished yesterday in Nicholas County at, um, at a cabin that may or may not be Daniel Boone's last residence in, the, in, in Kentucky before he moved to Missouri. You want to think so, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, 120 counties in Kentucky. And I know from traveling for Kentucky Humanities that trek from north to south or east to west can be daunting at times. Yeah. I mean, this is a bigger state than a lot of people realize. Yeah, the, the one rule I set out for, um, I had a I had my uh, publisher help me plan the tour, and the one rule I said was just don't make me go east-west across the across the state um, in, in a couple of days. And then I broke that rule because I had the chance to go out to spend some time at Heinemann Settlement School where James still um, uh, lays to rest and, and this canon of, of, of Kentucky literature and Rebecca Gale Howe, a poet, and Crystal Wilkinson were running at the writer's retreat. And uh, I had contacted Rebecca and I said, hey, what's going, you know, I'm trying to figure out something to do in Knott County. And she was like, come, come out for the writer's retreat. And so I came out that day. But in between that, I was booked in um, Henderson County and Davies County, which are right next to one another. So what I did was I just drove across the state to get to Knott County and then drove right back um, the next day, such as uh, this probably the, the dumbest part of the tour in terms of uh, well, travel planning. I have to tell you a personal uh, story that I was at the Heinemann um, Writers Conference 
and I had to uh, leave and, and drive to Graves County oh, yeah. in one day and get there. And, and I know what that drive, boy, that's a oh, long yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, Graves, yeah. You're, you're getting right there on the edge. You, you, yeah. you, the only way you could make that worse would be to go around to Kentucky <laughs> Bend in Fulton County and have to drive through Tennessee, well, which no one wants to do. What did you learn about the Commonwealth of Kentucky? Uh, the best part of the trip, I didn't know what to expect from the th- from the trip. I was worried, in a weird way, actually, I was worried people would think it was a stunt because for, for me, the intent was really true to the book, which is I'd use these, I'd use this place as as material, and so there was something about the intent was actually pretty pure to say like I've used I've used this land in a way I should go pay homage to it, even if I'm just reading to a cow in this on the side of the road. Um, but what I found was really surprising is that people, people showed up at a lot of these events. Like I read to people in cemeteries, I read to people at overlooks. I, um, I would say that I was going to a historical society and they'd email me the day before and they're like, we're ready for you. And I hadn't told them I was, I, they just had seen it on my website or, or whatever. And, it's, well, and then they would of, show up. You posted on social media and, and your website too? I tried to, I, so social media, I, I, I have, conflicted feelings about social media but with this with this tour I don't because I, basically the book isn't necessarily advocating it's 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 really an address to my wife trying to convince her to move to Kentucky but it's not a Kentucky advocacy book but the tour very much was like a Kentucky advocacy tour which is to try and highlight um, some of the most wonderful things that I could come across uh, in each county in, in the state so you know bookstores beautiful places um, great sort of history, historical stories that, that, that kind of you, you might not know. And, um, and then often people, so I would, in McGoffin County, um, a lady who is an ex-librarian like gave me her poem, a printout of her poem and read her poem while I was doing reading. I mean, there were like all sorts of really, there were all sorts of really warm and I, I think really touching and meaningful moments for, to me, meeting complete strangers who I got to know and, uh, and, and, and feel like You know, the difference between Oregon, where I live now, and Kentucky is that if you ask someone from Oregon, like, what they do, the answer might be, um, and this is a little reductive, but the answer might be, like, carpenter. And then that's it, you know. But if you ask someone from Kentucky, that starts you off on a 30-minute story about what they might do and what they want to do and what their daddy did and what his daddy did and what they were born to do. And you know what? And and then all of a sudden, they're coming in on keelboats or, like, through the gap from North Carolina. and, And... and so I collected a lot of stories. I mean, I collected a lot of stories from people on the tour, and that, and that was the best part of it. What did you learn from Kentuckians about uh, rural versus urban? Um, and I can take that a step further and ask about haves and have-nots, because you were in, I'm sure, some uh, urban and rural areas, which possibly were quite uh, uh, wealthy in um, their accumulative um, whether it's money or property, yeah. I'm sure you were in some of the poorest counties in the United States. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. we have in Kentucky. Right. I, I think that what I would say is, um, in general, every community has a has a very complex class system, which is to say that in Lexington, which is largely an affluent city, I would I would say, there are people who are incredibly impoverished in the city, and in Owsley County, for example, which is one of the poorest counties in the nation. Um, there are people who have money. I mean, th- we have a complex class structure in small communities. And so when, when people kind of, t- I mean, 
obviously there's a lot of work that needs to be done in some of the poor counties and advocacy that needs to be done to, to figure out how to like not only generate income but keep income in in those communities and not have it leach out it's it's basically the equivalent of like eating at a restaurant where someone who lives and works there cooks and cooks the food as opposed to eating at an arby's where you know 10 cents on the dollar you know is what stays in kentucky and 90 cents on the dollar goes out of kentucky and goes out of that community i mean so that's the practical advocacy side of it the other side though is like in jackson i went read in egypt kentucky and i read in a cemetery it what, was what named what county is that that's jackson county. jackson county so i read in egypt kentucky because of the place name and how it was named is in the book and so i read at the gravestone of samuel amix who who is a tennessean who named it that cuz he thought he was so remote and away from the world that he was in egypt he might as well call it egypt there's a mummies kentucky really nearby his great great granddaughter and her daughter showed up at the reading in the cemetery so they're five and six generations back um I believe that's right and one was an occupational therapist and one was a social worker and they were in this very small tiny town which is to say like i think that the biggest thing about rural versus urban is to remember that rural communities have a complex class structure and there obviously is a lot of work to be done to try to generate um basically generate economies that work for rural kentucky but even in those communities there's plenty of people that work what you would almost call like white collar or educated jobs as well and n- not to forget that that and and one thing that I, w- I ran into a lot of like magistrates and councilmen and mayors and judge executives throughout the tour because they're all advocating for their their place in, in a lot of ways and that was really heartwarming to see too because they were they would ask me i don't have any answers to this they'd be like how do we how do we keep our youth here but make them want to stay here and give them the opportunity to stay here um not that they're stuck there but that they want to be there and can and and how do we create a generate a community where they want to stay and 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 thrive i don't have i don't necessarily have the answer to that i mean i think it goes back to some of those economies that i talked about but um as an example let me ask you where did you go in muhlenberg county well, in Muhlenberg, I read on the side of the road in front of the Paradise Fossil Plant, but that might be because I'm a little bit of an environmentalist, yep. to, be, to be quite honest. Um, and so, uh, did you the go mix of John Prime? Yeah, and so I went through Greenville. Yeah. So there's an example of a small town in Kentucky uh, that is so proud of their square and their downtown area yeah. that everybody is sort of pulled together. A lot of what they've done without any uh, government uh, assistance. Yeah. Um, they have uh, applied for loans. Yep. They've raised funds. Yeah. And they have a beautiful downtown. And what I try to tell people, that if you're on the Western Kentucky Parkway, take just a moment and drive to Greenville. Yeah. And it's, see what a small town can do. Yeah, there's towns like this. I mean... It's larger, but Paducah has totally turned itself around. Uh, Princeton, Kentucky, down in Caldwell County, is an amazing small town. There, there were some grants, I think, that I've, I've gathered. There's some grants to revitalize main streets throughout Kentucky, and those, those, I can tell you from going through. You can tell when you're in a town that received grant money, and you can tell when you're in, in, in a town that didn't. And those towns that re- received the grant money, it's not only that they beautified the streets. Maybe that was step one. But then when they beautified it, people actually wanted to then go and open businesses there. Um, and it's, it's really like, uh, it's as simple as like, if you go spend money at the local businesses, that money goes into your neighbor's pockets and then they will spend it at your business. I mean, really it's like, 
it's, it's, it's a little bit reductive, but it's as simple as that. And those, those revitalized Main Street, the grants, you know, they make these amazing towns. I mean, they're towns where you want to live, you know. You don't need a lot for a, a town. I, I always say you need like, a, you know, maybe the dry counties don't count. You need a place to get a good beer, a good coffee, and like a decent egg sandwich and a bookstore, and you're set. Movie theater would be great if they can get the movie theater. Some but, people would say that uh, in Monroe County, where you can only get a Debbie Burger in Tompkinsville, <laughs> yeah, might yeah. be might be every every little town needs needs a good uh, a grilled good burger. hamburger. Yeah, I had a, the best burger I had was at a place called Farrell's in uh, um, in uh, Cadiz. Yes, uh, right. I was trying to guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're kind a, of famous for that. Yeah, it was a great burger. Yeah. Um, did you run into Kentuckians who were ashamed of the state? Not really. I, I ran into people who had left their hometowns when they heard about the tour and told me that when I'd be going back to that county or that hometown, that it had really changed since they grew up there, and largely in relation to um, uh, largely in relation to problems with uh, drugs and uh, opioids and. Um, and they would be like, you don't want to go there. But then when I would go to those places, I didn't run into that at all. I, I did see people that were grappling with difficult, um, difficult issues um, in their communities. But, but for the most part, the people I ran into were, were very proud of where they were from. And if anything, they were, they were concerned about how to preserve what, the, what pride they had in it. You know, they weren't like seeing it through rose colored glasses either. I mean, they, they you know, they, they would, but they would talk very, they would talk very glowingly and proud about where, about the, their part of the, um, their part of the state, their county. Um, you know, Kentuckians are funny. One guy was like, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty recent to McGoffin County. My, my family only moved here 90 years ago. You know, he's like, I'm a new, I'm new. Yeah. You know, uh, um, I, I think they're. I think the long history in Kentucky, the long documented history, is, is something that people tie back into, and there's a there's an ethos, and and Kentuckians are kind of like we're like we're kind of like Texans with even a bigger chip on our shoulder. I think we're as proud of our state, but I think we also have a little bit of orneriness to that pride because we think we're misrepresenting the world. So Kentuckians, they're not only afraid to they, they will sing the praises of Kentucky, and if you badmouth it, they kind of might throw a middle finger in the air at you as well. Is, is what I like to say, a little ornery. So. So when you are traveling from Kentucky back to your home in Oregon, going back and forth during this tour, did you meet uh, Argonians? Is that a right word? Is that a oh, yeah, good Argonians. Term? Yeah, yeah, Argonians. It's a weird, you know. <laughs> um, did you meet people who, who, who question your sanity, number one? Or number two, like a lot of citizens of the United States, when you say, I'm from Kentucky, and this is a few years ago, but they might glance down to see if you had shoes on or they're going to yeah. make fun of whatever. Um, and once they visit here, once they come here and meet the people and see the landscape and feel the place, they change their minds. Yeah, I but, think, but yeah. do you meet a lot of people who still question what, who we are and what we are? I don't know. I, I, I think that... Um I think that you know certainly a certain stereotype sometimes exists of, of, of Kentucky and you know barefoot and you know Mountain Dew uh, guzzling, but um, I, I say it's uh, I, I say it's barefoot and ALA guzzling, and, and maybe you're getting it right, but but the, 
the, the real truth is, for the most part, no. I think Kentucky actually has a, a larger mythos around it in the in the world. I think people know this. People know this tiny state. They have associations with it. Those associations might be thoroughbred racing. They might be Kentucky basketball. They might be mountains and coal. They might be like they've seen, you know, Harlan County documentary. They might. Um, they might know like the Ohio River area. They might have driven through and seen how just like stunningly beautiful the state is across the board. Or, I mean, I sometimes joke, but like I, I taught for a long time in Houston and I taught a number of international students who were in the States for the first time. When they found out I was from Kentucky, they said Kentucky Fried Chicken, they, which, is, which is to say that they knew of Kentucky, right? And their relation might be Kentucky Fried Chicken, but they knew it was a place. I don't know. I mean, I don't, not to denigrate Indiana, but I don't know that anyone, I don't know that it has the same sort of thing where people are just like, in, have a relation to Indiana. So, so actually, I think, I think if anything, there's a curiosity about why Kentucky has almost a larger, a larger scope in the larger world than, than maybe what its physical size is, you know? And you know, I, th I think that has uh, a lot to say too about the rich literary history that we talk about um, yeah. with great writers that uh, are right outside this wall yeah. at the Kentucky Book Fair, uh, yourself now that um, are so involved. In I mean, Be Bell Hooks is one of the uh, greatest contemporary uh, uh, literary and feminist critics is sitting uh, pretty much right next to yeah. Wendell Berry, who's yeah. probably our greatest thinker. Um, and then all around them are amazing writers. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm sitting next to Fenton Johnson, who wrote one of yeah. the best memoirs that I've ever yeah. read, Geography of the Heart. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just a heart. It's a book that I buy whenever I see it and hand to people and say, please read this yeah. book. Yeah. Um, well, you, you know, it's it's humbling, isn't it, Jesse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It's, it's, it's amazing to even be, like, uh, included in it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you to um, conclude our podcast from the Kentucky Book Fair. I'm a native of Barron County. And I'm going to ask you, uh, because I'm a little tender with the voice box right now, to read the passage from Barron County. All right. And uh, we'll close it out that way. I hope there's no curse words in here. <laughs> uh, Barron County, uh, established in 1799. At some level, it is the soil of, the pla of a place that haunts, the elemental. Wendell Berry asked himself, why should I love one place so much more than any other? What could be the meaning or use of such love? I don't know that he's ever answered those questions, but he followed them back to the bluegrass. When we can't rationalize feelings, we submit to intuition. We make symbols of objects, of people and places, but symbols like names can deceive. You might think that fear of lack reigns in a place called barren, but here lies fertile loam that sits atop clay of stone and history. You can only know a place its possibilities after you sift its soil through your fingers. Wendell Berry also said, what I stand for is what I stand on. So stand beside me here in Kentucky. Look down at your feet. Jesse Donaldson, thanks so much. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for having and me. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. And um, we will uh, continue to follow you. Would love to have you back uh, as a guest. Uh, you could be a heck of a member of the State Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse okay. Donaldson. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.